Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to The Real Birth Podcast, the show where real parents share real birth stories and get really honest about how it went. You might be a first-time expectant parent, or on your eighth baby. Perhaps you're a birth worker, or maybe you just love learning about birth. Whoever you are, you are welcome here. This podcast aims to educate and empower listeners through the real stories of mums and dads. I'm Lucy Hill. I'm a doula, a mum of a toddler, and a complete birth nerd. Join me as I invite all kinds of parents to share their stories of pregnancy, birth, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to the final episode of season three. This episode marks 30 whole episodes of my little show and by some lovely coincidence today is also the one year anniversary since the Real Birth podcast launched with its first ever episode so that was totally unplanned but rather lovely, um, nice sort of poetic end to the season. It's been such a huge pleasure listening to your stories over the past year birth stories are incredibly personal and I'm never not in awe of the people who have contributed their time, their energy and often some of their most intimate experiences which helps make the show what it is. So their stories are what connect people together whether you're listening to a story and you're nodding along thinking oh yes I know how you were feeling in that moment or whether somebody else's experience has just led you to becoming more educated about something that you or a loved one might be going through too. As you may know, I am soon to embark upon my own birth adventure as my second baby will be arriving in just a matter of weeks now. Eek! Over this time, I will probably be taking a bit of a break in sharing regular podcast episodes, but I will be dropping some ad hoc episodes when I'm able to get the time to do that. The best way to keep in the loop with any new content that might be dropping is to subscribe or to follow my show on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts this series I have been fortunate enough to also work with my first ever sponsor Bridge House Pilates. Megan who founded the company runs an amazing online Pilates course which is totally tailored to anyone who has had a baby so supporting them to resolve kind of common pregnancy related issues helping them to build their core strength and resilience. Listeners of this podcast can get a 20% discount. The six-week course is usually 70 quid, but our sponsor offer makes it just £56, and that's for a lifetime access to all the materials, which is much more affordable, not to mention more convenient, than joining in-person classes or a gym when you have got very little ones to think about. You can find out more about this offer and sign up by clicking on the link in my social media accounts. On Instagram, it's in my bio. On Facebook, I've posted about it a few times, so you should be able to find that easily. Today's episode features the lovely Melissa, who shared her two birth stories. Melissa suffers from a condition called psoriatic arthritis, which is an arthritic condition requiring her to take a medication every day, and this is not usually compatible with conception, pregnancy or breastfeeding. Melissa talks about how her pregnancies were therefore timed around stints of being off her medication and how this impacted her. She also shares her experience of having a miscarriage between her two daughters and how the hospital restrictions at the time meant that she was largely forced to do this alone going through such a devastating loss. It is a really gorgeous episode and her two stories are just great. I really hope you enjoy it. Here is Melissa to tell her story. Welcome to the podcast, Melissa. It's really lovely to have you with me. Before we start your but pregnancy, birth, labour stories. Could you please just tell everybody a little bit about who you are, who's in your family? Um, in my family, it's my husband. We've been together, well, we've been together over 13 years. Been together since we were in school. Mm. And we've been married three and a half years. We've got our four-year-old daughter, Willow. And our youngest, Eden. She's almost seven months old. And our dog, Reggie. Ah, lovely. And when you were thinking about having a family, was that something that was quite an intentional 
process and becoming pregnant is that something that you'd planned or did it happen in a different way for you initially I never wanted to have it really planned but I basically have a condition called psoriatic arthritis okay um, and I'm on a medication called methotrexate for that and I don't know if anybody that will be listening takes it but you can't conceive on it because it will cause birth defects um, so you have to be off it for a minimum of three months before you can consider to try. So it's fully out of the system. But I'd stopped it in 2016 um, because it was messing with my liver. I was getting really bad um, overactive liver. So then we went into 2017. We were always talking about possibly trying. Um, and then in January, when I was about to restart the medication, we said, you know what, I'm, you're off it. You've been off it for a long time. So... Let's go for it. Um, so we started trying in January 2017. Um, and it took us almost 10 months to conceive Willow. Mm. We conceived her in September, found out in October. I was kind of under no illusion that it wouldn't happen straight away. But I think anyone trying to conceive it, every time you come on or you get a negative test, you think, why isn't it happening? Um, but then, luckily, yeah, couldn't believe it. We were both in tears when wow. we got a positive test. And during that time when you were trying, being off the medication that you had been prescribed, was that having an effect on your health as well? Yeah. When you're off the meds, obviously, you go into having flare-ups, so the pain would come back really bad. And that also put pressure on us to when we were trying, because we thought the longer it's taken us... The longer I'm off meds, I'm in more pain. And it was just a vicious cycle. And yeah, it was very stressful, but she was worth it. We thought, right, we'll give it a break and we'll we'll go ahead and book our wedding. Little did I know she was already in my tummy when we booked the wedding. <laughs> so we thought, oh, no, now we've got two things. <laughs> oh, how lovely. Were you able to kind of control your condition while you were pregnant or were you still suffering any symptoms from being pregnant and not being able to take your medication most of the time they find that when people are pregnant because ligaments and things you know they soften so the pain actually wasn't too bad but I have psoriasis with it and the psoriasis came back pretty much all over my body oh you poor thing yeah so how how was your pregnancy in general with her a roller coaster, I'll say. <laughs> she put me through the ring of bless her. But uh, from 13 weeks, pretty much when they say you're meant to stop feeling sick, I got HG. Oh gosh, so you didn't have H. You didn't have hyperemesis in the first trimester. No, just I was quite sick, always feeling sick. But it was only from 13 weeks that it it got to the point that I couldn't keep anything down. Wow, that's I've never. That's quite unusual. I've not heard of that turn of events happening so yeah you kind of head you head towards that second trimester thinking right I'm gonna start feeling better soon because it's rough you know whether you've got yeah. you know whether your symptoms are mild or not it's just a bit rough that first trimester so it is you probably were thinking right come on it's gonna get better and then it just took a massive nosedive yeah massive <laughs> yeah I was off work for five weeks because I couldn't keep anything down the minute I'd get out of bed I'd be sick I was being sick over 10 times a day I think I lived off crumpets did they give you any medication to help you with the sickness yeah in the end I think it was New Year's Day actually so that was a great time I was in I had to go to A&E because I was becoming really dehydrated um, and then from that they put me on anti-sickness meds and mm. I was still being sick, but it definitely did help calm it down. Mm. And did that sickness get better at any point through your pregnancy or did it carry on right to the end? Carried on right till the end. Oh I even God. I even was sick just after having her. Wow, because they say, uh, I have friends who've had HG and they say that, you know, just as soon as the baby's out, it's like, hallelujah, I can eat again. You know, was it not like that for you? <laughs> no, I I was sick, but then... It it just it changed everything because I was obviously trigger foods that would set it off, mm. and even now I'm still very funny. It's it's like imprinted in my brain that <laughs> yeah, totally. So 
given how kind of poorly you were feeling through your pregnancy, what kind of plans did you make for your birth? And were you able to kind of look forward to that and make plans? Or were you kind of constantly thinking, oh, I feel terrible? Um, we did have our plans from 30 weeks, though I developed SPD. So okay. then I was I was bed bound for the last 10 weeks. Okay. Oh, God. So that kind of played a part in what birthing positions I could do mm-hmm. because of the pelvic pain um but I was very when we did our birthing plan I was very dead set against having an epidural so like, I'm not I won't have that I want to do it this way and I was quite strict with it mm. and funnily enough none of it went to plan where did your ideas come from about what you wanted in birth was it through research you'd done or through speaking to people a bit of both really with the epidural, I don't, I don't know what it was that I was so dead set against it. I think I felt, I don't know if there is, but I felt there was almost a stigma against it. Mm. You know, that because you had to have an epidural, it meant you couldn't handle the pain. And I felt like, no, I, I want to show that I can handle it. And Yeah, uh, I think there's different reasons why people don't want them and different reasons why people do want them. But yeah, yeah I think there's definitely a bit of a myth around why people might have one uh, yeah. and, their, and therefore what it means about yeah, their definitely. ability to, to tolerate something. Okay, so had you done any other kind of preparation for your birth, any classes or anything like that? We hadn't actually, no. Okay, so tell me about that last kind of final bit of pregnancy and how labour started for you or if it didn't start by itself, what happened? The day before my due date, my due date was 22nd of June 2018, I got up in the night to go to the toilet and I felt this really weird sensation. And my husband's normally a really deep sleeper. And I just really calmly went, babe, I think my waters might have broken. For some reason, he shot out of bed. I don't know how he even heard me. Um, But he was like, oh, my God, he just went into panic mode. And I said, it'd be fine. Let me just get back into bed. And as I leant over to get into bed, I felt the pop. So then he went into full panic mode and was like, I'm ringing the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they said, if you haven't started contracting um, by 7am, come in to MAU and we'll hook her up to the monitor. Um, I was getting a few little pains, but nothing kind of enough. So we went in, they hooked me up to a monitor. Then I had to do the little kick counter um, and they know they weren't happy with her. They felt she was a bit sleepy okay. and wasn't as active as they would have wanted her to be. Um, and they said, we're not going to leave this to just happen. We're kind of in that, you know, time frame of your waters have broke. You need to be mm-hmm. going into labour soon. Let's just start it for you. Let's just mm-hmm. induce you. So I was put on um, the drip to be induced. Okay. Had you had any examinations to see what was going on? with your dilation or was that not something that you'd done at that point they I don't think they had actually checked me um I'd had a show but yeah as far as they didn't I think with her they didn't actually check me till I was kind of quite far into it you'd taken your bags with you thinking this might be it um yeah they were in the car but we weren't kind of expecting to be yeah quite straight so into quick. the room on the drip and it and obviously being induced, it comes obviously a lot quicker and and more yeah. painful. So yeah. it's a bit yeah. of like, oh my gosh, it's happening. What do we do? <laughs> yeah. And so in terms of your place of birth, had you been planning to give birth at that place anyway? Or was this was there a change to your plans because of the induction? Um, no, it was always planned to go there. I was classed as high risk because of obviously my medical condition. So um, I was always gonna have to do it at Stoke um because I had to have two people with me two midwives with me at all times I couldn't be left on my own and that kind of changed it for me I I kind of wanted that time with my mum and my husband Mm. you know and it just be us whereas having somebody there I mean it was reassuring but it kind of took away from it just being you know like that intimate thing yeah your bubble doesn't it a little bit yeah yeah so you were hooked up to the Syntocin on drip straight away. Yep. And did they give you any kind of 
preparation about what that might entail and or, or was it kind of we're just going to see if your body reacts to this and yeah. then left you to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah they kind of said we'll see how you get on we'll keep monitoring it every so often um if not we'll have increase it for you but it did it did kick in <laughs> okay so and that happened quite quickly did it yeah okay did you find that there was like a gradual build-up at all or did it just kind of hit you because people have different experiences with syntocinon in my experience from talking to them was it just a okay we're straight in this or did you get any time to kind of build up gently to what labor was going to be like yeah I felt kind of the little feelings and I thought oh maybe this is it and then it did kind of just go straight into you know regular contractions so yeah it was a bit of a shock <laughs> you obviously mentioned that you hadn't initially wanted an epidural with with kind of an augmented labor I suppose is what they'd call it people do report higher pain levels because it's obviously something that your body's not quite done on its own and it's gone Whoa, yeah. what's, what's happening um so did you find that that happened quite quickly and were you able to reassess what you wanted or did it take you a long time to get to that point where you thought I might need something here yeah it it did took me a while it's because I'm stubborn so my, I my think mom, I, um, I think I would be exactly the same like yeah. I've said this I've said this and my my mum and my husband were saying, I think you need something now. We can tell you're struggling. I was like, no, I don't want to. I want to see how, it was a weird thing as well. I've, I said, I want to see how long my body can actually take this before I need to admit that I need something to help. Um, and I think I'd got kind of six and a half hours in. And then I was constantly, they'd done pethidine in the end. That had failed. I was on the gas and air. Um, and my mum and Adam were saying, I think she might need something stronger. And I was thinking, no, no. And I remember crying. Mm. I was like, no, I don't want, I don't yeah. want to. I... That must have been quite hard with other people kind of almost deciding what you needed without it coming from you authentically. Like I've decided this. Yeah. I mean, it was a hard one because I knew that they were doing it because they were concerned about me and they were, obviously they had my best interest. Mm. In my head, I'm, I agreed with them. But my stubbornness wasn't said, there yet. No, yeah. <laughs> but in the end, the midwife had a stern word of me and said, if you're really focused on a natural delivery, because I was kind of falling asleep and I wasn't really with it in between, they said, the way you're going, you're not going to have enough energy. Mm-hmm. So that's just something to consider. And that made me think, right. We'll do the epidural then. <laughs> and do you know how far dilated you were at this point? Because I feel like there's an idea there, isn't there? It's like, well, if if I've got X amount of time probably to go, yeah, then it helps make that decision for you a little bit. I think I was just about six centimetres. Okay. That's a tough one, isn't it? Because you're kind of pretty yeah. well, you're pretty well on your way, but you're also maybe thinking, oh, how much longer can I do yeah. this? Yeah so when you had your epidural that you you know you put your stubbornness aside and (laughs) made that decision that was right for you and your baby did you enjoy being able to relax did it work for you it took a while to get in to actually administer it took them four tries it was on their last try and they said to us I don't know if we're actually going to be able to do this I think it's it was because of my arthritis the space in between in my spine is thinner so they struggled to get the needle in Um, and I think on one of the tries they hit a nerve because afterwards after the birth I had nerve pain for months on end Mm, that I have read about that as being a a complication that can happen and I think not many people know about the side effects of epidurals I mean there are so many pros but there are also with any medical procedure there's some things that can happen Um, but yeah I'd be interested to hear about that when we talk about that that part of your um experience so they got it in and it 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 worked were you able to yeah chill? yeah I was able to then relax um and yeah. I think and it was funny because I then shot to 10 centimeters quite quick and I think it was because I was able to fully relax so I think by 10 p.m I'd reached 10 centimeters but they said you're comfortable let's give it in a little bit longer and let her drop further 
You know, that's really good to hear, actually. There's quite a lot of people I speak to who there's that, write your 10 centimetres, right, you've got to push. And actually, yeah. <laughs> our bodies don't do that. Like, we are designed to kind of sit at that 10 centimetres bit for a while because, yeah, right, it's not just about opening up, it's about dropping down. So that's really good. You were able to just kind of wait. Did you have any sensations of pressure or anything like that, or was it totally numb for you? Totally numb. And then in that hour, she had really dropped. I think when I started to push, I did one push and they could see her head. So I think I started, yeah, pushing from about 11. And every time she'd start to, her head would start to come out, then it would kind of get stuck. So in the end, I had to have an episiotomy. But it was kind of a mad rush. They said, I think we're going to need somebody to come and help you. You know, forceps, something like that. They said, we'll ring the doctor, but let's let's do our best to beat the doctor to get here. Let's get her out before he's here. Mm. And they did, once they'd done the easy she one push and she was out. Had they been kind of telling you, you're having a contraction now, let's, let's go, and you were able to follow their guidance for that? That's what I found really hard, because they said, we'll go on, we'll work with you. When, you. when you're having a contraction, let us know and you can push. But obviously I was completely numb. Mm. So I had to place my hand on my tummy on my bump and feel for it to tense yeah and then think I'm probably contracting now well it sounds like you did a great job she came out so <laughs> you know you obviously did something right didn't you <laughs> yeah yeah Ama- amazing so she came out and did you know you were having a girl yeah we'd found out yeah and was she like straight to you was everything well yeah straight on to me initially Adam cut a cord she had a lot of mucus in her so they had, then had to go and help her and to suck some of it away because she couldn't cry. She okay. just like gargled. She wasn't really a crier, but I think it's because she did have a lot of mucus. How was your recovery from that then? If you'd had the episiotomy, I imagine, you know, there's some recovery to be done with that. But how long were you in the hospital and how did you how did you find that first initial period of, oh, she's, she's out? Because <laughs> she was born at 6.27. So then I had to kind of stay. It felt like I'd stayed overnight, but I hadn't really. But I'd done like the morning on the ward. And then I'd gone home later okay. that evening. Um, but it was really hard as well because I kind of needed to start medication as well as soon as I'd had her. The midwives there were very kind of, let's get her on the breast. And I, I did want to try it. I wanted to try and give her what I could while I could. But I also wasn't very strict on it. So they said, you can't go home unless she's feeding. And we'd had kind of formula with us. With your medication that you knew you were going to need to start taking to feel well again for your condition, I assume if you're unable to conceive or it's not advised to conceive while being on that, does that also have implications for breastfeeding and you're unable to breastfeed while you're on that? Is that right? Yeah, you can't breastfeed because it passes through the milk. Okay, so obviously that's something that you've come to terms with and made a decision with, I imagine, through your pregnancy, if you've known that information. But like you say, if you know that you're going to start it in X amount of days or something, you obviously had thought, well, I'll do what I can to give her what I can. Were Did you find that that was something that it was kind of difficult for the staff to maybe understand that in terms of, well, you know you're going to feed her formula eventually so how how did they take that I found them quite pushy okay um I did have one midwife and she said to me um do you know how important it is for her to have your your first milk your colostrum um and she made me sit up and hand express the colostrum out and she collected it in a syringe there wasn't kind of an option to you know, can I just give her this bottle of formula as I've got it? Mm. You know, and I will try and express in between, but let me just see if she'll take it. It was kind of very much give her the breast milk. Okay, um, so they weren't taking your lead on how and when to do things? Yeah, not at all. Okay. And it kind of took uh, off both sides of the family. They came in the evening um, and she hadn't fed at all before then. And I just wanted to go home because it was so noisy on the ward um, and they said to us, unless you can get her to take 30 mil, you can't go home tonight. Um, and in the end, 
I think it was my sister actually. She did just give her one of the bottles of formula and she took it. And my and Adam said, Look, she's had 30 mil. Can I get them home now, please? And I think we were um, discharged at like 10 in the yeah. 10 at night. Do you know, it's really hard. It's really sad as well, I think, where, you know, regardless of a family's feeding preferences or situation, the amount of people who say, I just wanted to go home. So I did this to get, you know, rather than actually doing what felt right for them or what they needed it was like they wouldn't let me go so I had to do whatever it is um yeah it, it, is, makes, it just makes you feel rushed doesn't it like yeah I have take, to do this and take it takes away the experience as well you're in that that bubble starts and it is hard thinking you know if I can't get it to feed them we can't go home we're stuck here and we just want to be together as a family it was hard when you were expressing to uh, try and get some colostrum and stuff to feed her that did you want her to latch onto your breast or did you feel like that was something you didn't want to start if you couldn't if that wasn't your long-term plan straight after birth she did latch on okay my mum my helped me to get her to latch on but I didn't want it to get her too used to mm. the boob because I didn't want to then feel cruel that I was taking it away from her mm. but when we were home I, I said I'm going to give her as much as I can while yeah. I can. And um, I managed eight weeks of giving her breast milk. I'd try her on the, to get her to latch on. I would hand express. I'd be on the pump. I yeah. I wanted to give her as much as I could for a first start. Yeah, that's amazing. And a dedication as well. And it sounds like you had a really supportive network then if you had your mum who was really supportive and your partner. So how was that first few months of new parenthood it's just surreal it's um it's true isn't it there's no feeling like when you become a parent it's amazing my mum was amazing she was here pretty much every day for the first two weeks people were bringing us meals and Mm. we were in a proper bubble that's lovely and that's so so good I mean people don't need flowers they need food (laughs) yeah and just comfort and And I was on because I'd had an epidural. I had to go on the blood thinning injections. Yeah, Adam hated doing it, but bless him, he did it every every night for ten days. Yeah, bless. Did you do my injection? Did you do it in your stomach? Yeah, and you swap sides every night. Okay, yeah, because I remember all the little weird little marks and just being yeah, all the bruises and yeah, yeah, they don't tell you about that, do they? No. Well, when when I had my first one at the hospital, they just said, "Just need to give you an injection," and straight in the tummy, I didn't know what the injection was. No, and they just said, "Here's your box of injections. Do them at home." And I was like, oh, "Okay." Suddenly, got to learn yeah. how to be a doctor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did you look back over that birth experience and feel like it was a positive experience for you? No, oh, yeah, it was. I yeah. I felt proud of myself as well. Everyone kind of everyone joked, thinking that I'd scream the place down when I was in labour. I was very calm. They all say how polite I was. I was apologising. <laughs> every time I got off the bed before I had an epidural, my waters would go like keep going. I had so much water and it went all over the midwife's shoes. And I felt, <laughs> I felt terrible. I just kept saying, I'm so sorry. Definitely, <laughs> definitely won't be the worst thing that she's had on her shoes. No. <laughs> it's a great example, I think, of where your plan doesn't necessarily go where you thought it was going to go. But, you know, you you were still able to achieve an experience that, you know, you were proud of. So that's great. Yeah. How long after her birth did you start thinking about another baby? And I imagine that you had kind of gone back on your medication and stuff. So that must have been another process to think about. So eight weeks after having her, I went back on the meds. Was on them for three years, but I had to keep coming on and off because of it increasing my liver function. It was in 2020, so kind of around the time of COVID. I had to come off. I had to have a break off it because of my, my liver function was so high. And then it kind of, we were coming into 2021. And again, it was kind of like, do you want to restart the medication? And me and Adam said, I've been off it this long. It's out of my system now. We were thinking around when Willow was three we should have we could have another Mm. let's just go for it yeah and like you say you've already made that huge time commitment of coming off letting it all come out your system and then you've you've got to do that again if you choose to do it in the future so 
yeah, that natural breaks obviously seemed to coincide with your plans and probably played a part in when that happened. Yeah, definitely. When it came to trying to conceive a second baby, were you a bit more aware of how long that might take? What were your, how did you approach it? Yeah, we had an with it taken almost 10 months with Willow. We kind of set ourselves up for that kind of time frame. So we started trying in the January and then it shocked us. But in the April, I fell pregnant. So we were kind of like, wow, that's happened really quick. But around seven weeks, I then started bleeding. Um, so I kind of wake, woke up one night, went to the toilet and wiped it. And it was like I had come on. Mm. And the worst part of it was we hadn't told any of our family. So I remember saying, I'm, I'm too Adam, I'm bleeding. And he's quite a positive person. He's like a glass half full, I'm glass half empty. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was like, it'll be fine. We don't know what it is. Let's just be positive until we know. But I had a, a, a feeling inside that something was wrong. And I had to ring my mum at five in the morning and say, mum, you didn't know. Oh, sorry, it's making me upset. But I thought, you didn't know, but... Oh, sorry. Don't apologise. I'm pregnant, but I think I'm losing it. Mm. And it was just so hard to think, that's her second grandchild, you know, and she didn't even know. It just takes away so much joy from that situation, doesn't it, that you want to share happy news, but... Yeah, because it's like two shocks in one, and, and then I felt terrible. Mm. So I went to A&E, they said... They did a pregnancy test. They said, as far as we can see, you're still pregnant. But obviously your levels just will still be there. So it will obviously still show. That's really cruel, I think, in a way. The false hope. Yeah, the the fact that they even do a pregnancy test because, you know, um, it's different for everyone. But, I mean, for me personally, my... I had a loss and I still had positive pregnancy tests like two and a half weeks later. And I just think that doesn't mean anything, you know, just because the hormones there. So it does, it makes you go, Oh, okay. You're telling me one thing, but my body is telling me another thing. Yeah. So were you able to, did they give you a scan and confirm anything for you? Yeah. They, that was at kind of our local hospital. And they Mm. said from here, there's, we don't do scans um, early pregnancy scans here so there's nothing we can do for you we'll book you one in at Stoke the same hospital that I had Willow and then they said that'll be in two or three days and that was the worst two that or three a... days of my life that and the bleeding so unfair it, yeah the bleeding increased as well so it was hard for me because obviously in, in my heart I knew something was wrong and it was just prolonging the inevitable to me and obviously it was during Covid so when we went um, Adam wasn't allowed in with me he had to sit outside and they called him in they said we'll call him in when you scans on but until then you can't you'll have to go in by yourself and I was in a waiting room with people and there was a lady next to me saying what are you here for oh go away and, Not, never that, okay to say yeah. that to someone in a waiting room and I did just I bluntly I said I think I'm losing my baby well good so for I just, you. I, yeah because I just didn't know what to say and Oh, and there was all the leaflets and posters on the wall about miscarriage and it just felt horrendous. They kept me waiting longer than the schedule. So that was feeding into a lot of anxiety. Eventually we were called in and they did an internal examination and I knew straight away because it was just black, Mm. just empty. And obviously they had to keep doing tests and I, I just knew then. But when they told us, they said, I'm sorry, it just felt so kind of degrading almost because they still had the scanner in, inside. Mm-hmm. Let me get some dignity, you know, some composure, compose myself and sit us down. Yeah, you and are they... literally in the most vulnerable position, aren't you? You are like legs yeah. akimbo. Somebody else is where you don't want them to be and it feels horrible, feels physically horrible. And then it's like, I don't need you to say those words while I'm in this really vulnerable position can we just do this while I'm an adult at a table with you please yeah 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 they said from the scan obviously they couldn't see pregnancy they could see a mass okay lower down so I hadn't lost obviously the worst of it Mm -hmm. that was working its way through um 
And I think I just said, can I get dressed now? And I, I was just in tears. Adam looked completely shocked because he'd obviously been positive all the way through it. Then I was so scared about having to go and look at all the other mums that were in the waiting room. But we went into a side room um, and a midwife came and she said, do you understand what was what we've found from the scan, what's been said? And I said, yeah, I've lost my baby. I just, I, I felt like I didn't need to have it keep, you know, repeated all the time. It was just painful enough. And I just got given a leaflet and said, come back in two days for bloods um, because we need to see that your HCG levels are dropping and that would be great if it's dropping. And in my head, I felt like, yeah, that would be great for you, but that mm. isn't great for me. So you mentioned that you hadn't passed the majority of what was within your womb at that point. Did they give you any options for that? Did they give you the option to like wait for something to happen? Did they offer you um, any surgical options or was it just go, go away? Yeah, literally nothing. I knew about different options, but yeah, nothing. Um, I think they kind of said, well, it looks like it's happening naturally. So we'll just leave you and we'll just see you on Saturday. Mm. So it was Thursday that we found out. Mm. Um, And yeah, at home, it just became more painful a lot you know obviously everything in the room is coming out but I feel like it's not talked about enough kind of what actually happens and it's not fortunate but my mum had lost two so because of her I was able to have some understanding of what to actually expect and I'd ring her saying is this normal oh my gosh Mm. what's happening now and you know because otherwise I wouldn't have actually had a clue at all yeah, there's not enough aftercare. It's just I kind of felt in my head that I'm not pregnant anymore, so it doesn't matter. No. Yeah, it's one of, I think, the biggest things that I would... I mean, there's lots of things I would want to change about our system, but the aftercare for pregnancy loss is so lacking. It It's almost to the point of actively cold, that's how I felt it. Yes. Yeah. This is your this is your story. But I from my perspective have had had like zero follow up. Like not even like a just an are you okay? phone call yeah. or yeah, or even just, you know, for me personally, I really wanted like a repeat scan because I just needed to know that we were done. You know, like yeah. it was done. And it was just, oh, we don't do that. And I just thought, okay, but but it, it would really mean a lot to me and I would feel better and I could move on with this horrific thing. And, you know, it was just like, no, we don't do that. Yeah. Um, so you went back on the Saturday and did they confirm that things were kind of dropping in terms of your levels? Yeah, so it, that was really hard because we had to obviously go to the same unit. I think I sat in the exact same place as well. Oh. I had the blood test done and then I got a call. Well, I, they said they'd call me later that day or the well, within the day after. And they didn't call me. They they didn't call me for like a week or two after. But they just said, your your levels have dropped, so that's great. That's where everything's where it needs to be. Can you just do a, some home tests and just keep checking? And when I did one, yeah, it was negative. The thing that's really hard, I think, is when you also have another child to care for. It's really tricky yeah. to be a functional parent and be going through something like that because kids aren't stupid either like they know no. that you're not yeah. that you're not quite right um so yeah that must have been tough as well Adam doesn't like to talk about his feelings so he went very closed off about it yeah whereas I'm kind of I like to get I'm quite an emotional person so I I want to talk about it because it helps mm-hmm. But um, having Willow, we didn't want her to see that anything was wrong. So we never talked about it in front of her. She never knew that I was pregnant. It was only kind of away from her. I think there were times when she saw me and I was crying. But I tried to, I wanted to remain strong for her. And she was my reason, Mm. you know, to keep going. But yeah, it was a really, really hard time. So Mm. I'd had two weeks off and I went back and I work for a well-known health and beauty company so I went back there was baby clothes there's 
or loads of baby stuff. There's mums, expectant mums coming in, mums with pushchairs. And obviously nobody knew. I think that was where, that was a mistake from my part because then I couldn't be upset in front of people because nobody knew. Mm. There were times I'd just take myself into the toilet at work and just cry. Mm. But the thing is, that's not you. That's That's the world saying to women in particular, please don't inconvenience us with your difficult you know, situations that are common in the first trimester. I think, I don't know if you saw recently, um, I think it was Mylene Class. Yeah. Put, put something on Instagram, like, about how it is literally the biggest disservice to humans in the world that we tell people you shouldn't tell anyone. Like, where did that even come from? It's bollocks. <laughs> I know. I, I saw that and thought she's, she's spot on. Yeah. Because when people do have a loss. That's when you need them. Yeah. Yeah, and a and a baby is still a baby, no matter at what point you do get yeah. to, or in what point you do lose it. Like at the end of the day, it's still a baby. And like physically as well, like even if you have a successful pregnancy, to to have nobody know in that first bit is just like, this is so stupid. Like this is the bit where I need you to like help me and yeah, <laughs> be sympathetic. <laughs> Oh, anyway, I feel like I could do a whole show on that. Um, <laughs> so after you had physically kind of recovered from that that loss, what were your next steps towards thinking about trying again, if you were thinking about it? Adam was kind of like, he was meant, I don't know if he was mentally ready, but he was he was wanting to try again straight away. And I had my first period after, because I wanted to make sure that was out of the way. And then I thought, we'll start trying. And funny enough, I fell pregnant straight straight after. But it was it was funny because it kind of it felt so strange to me because I felt like we wouldn't be trying, we wouldn't be in this position if we hadn't lost a baby. Yeah, it's a such and, and it, different yeah, vibe. It was, it, was so, it was so hard. There wasn't any kind of excitement on it. It was just dread. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, what if I do get pregnant and then it happens to me again? It was just really hard. And then I did say to him, I don't think I can try at the moment. And But I, obviously I didn't know that I was pregnant with Eden at yeah. that point. It had it had worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to have that suddenly work and go, oh, my God, I'm pregnant and I wasn't really – I wasn't sure if I was ready to do that and try. While it is really like, oh, my God, frightening when you find something like that out – it almost takes that element of stress away from you. Like I don't, I now don't have to do the, okay, we're trying. This is the dates. This is the, you know, because it's, it's, it's happened. And you're yeah. like, bloody <laughs> hell. I mean, you're, you're obviously you're in shock, but you're like, oh, okay. Well, I don't, I don't even think about that now. It's sort of taken out of your hands. Did you find that that first bit of your pregnancy, especially I imagine up around that seven week mark, did you find that was quite a difficult process to, enjoy or feel much hope about yeah I feel terrible saying it now when I found out I was pregnant with it I was about six weeks pregnant and because my next period hadn't come and I think in the back of my mind I thought could you be pregnant but I also was so terrified to test then when it it did come up pregnant I just cried and just said oh oh no because I just didn't know if I was mentally ready I think that's really, really normal response. I kind of almost detached myself from it. I was scared, I think, to be attached to the pregnancy for the fear of it happening again. And I felt if I did, if I detached myself from it, it was protecting me almost. I mean, I look at it now and I, I feel so much guilt that I felt like that. But at the time, it's because I, I didn't know if physically and mentally I could go through mm. losing another baby. All the way through the pregnancy, I I was waiting for that heartbreak. I think that's something that anybody who's experienced a loss can probably relate to. And then there's also the sensation, I think, of guilt, not around the feelings that you had about your baby, because I think, you know, they're really normal feelings to have after you've been through something like that. I mean, experience has taught you something. It's totally normal for your brain to go, well this is how I feel about that because of what happened to me but there's this expectation I think from the world around us that we need to just be like 
enjoying every moment isn't this precious aren't aren't you an absolute unicorn goddess for doing this like aren't why aren't you like euphoric at all times (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like I I can't keep up with the pressure of having to be thrilled about this when deep down you just want to kind of hide a bit and cry about it it felt like to me it it made me have to bottle up my feelings and my grief for the baby we lost. It was such a mix of things. I felt like I wouldn't be pregnant with this baby if I hadn't lost mm. that baby. But also, where would I be if I was still pregnant with that baby? It was mm. just so hard. And I, did, I found it so hard to begin mm. with. And when we had a scan and I saw little baby moving, that's when I felt instantly attached. I thought, like, wow. Maybe actually this mm. might happen for us. Maybe yeah. she, maybe we are going to have a rainbow baby. Hopefully. Yeah, she's real. And also you have had the experience of having your healthy child. So you know there, there, that, there is that part of your brain too, you know? Yeah, and that's what I think makes it hard when you, any loss is you know, terrible and heartbreaking to go through. When you've had a baby successfully, it gives you some sort of, yeah, it's not going to happen to me because yeah. I know that I can have a baby. So then when it does happen, it's almost a double kick. Yeah. The stomach. Because you just think, how? Because I know my body can mm. do it. and Because I just felt like my body had let me down or I'd done something wrong. Or mm. I wasn't, you know, for some reason I wasn't deserving to have a baby at that time. Mm. It was yeah. just, yeah, I just beat myself up for a long time about it. Did you develop any horrible sickness conditions or pelvic pain conditions again? We was it a similar pregnancy? No sickness. <laughs> Maybe. Which was which was I was gearing up to be sick. I mean, I constantly. feel like you were due a break. But it was so opposite to with Willow. With Willow, I was craving the typical sweet stuff like they say you are with a girl. With Eden, I was craving like greasy salty takeaway stuff and I thought it's going to be a boy I'm adamant it's a boy <laughs> and then when we found out it was a girl we were all like oh really <laughs> <laughs> in the end yeah about 34 35 weeks I got SPD again not as painful as with when I was still able to move about it was just painful what were your plans for birth this time around and had anything changed in what you wanted compared to your first experience I was very open with this one, I think. Being dead set against something with my first, I was like, right, I'll just be open. I'll just, I'm going to take it as it comes. I had kind of a few things that I would have liked, but pain relief and things, I just said I'm open and I'm going to go with what I think, you know, when I'm in in that moment. How did her birth story begin? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) So it got to, everybody was saying to me, she's, She's going to come early. They do oh, that, don't they? Yeah, she's shown so low. You get, oh, you know, she's going to be here any day now. And then a due date came and went. <laughs> <laughs> and the day after, um, the midwives rang me and said, do you want to come in this evening? We'll see if we can do your sweep. And I was like, yes, anything to get around. Okay, you, you, were, quite, yeah. you were quite keen. That, I was uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> and they went to do it. Um, and my cervix was closed. So she said, I've just had a good feel around and a good... Who can hopefully I've stimulated something, and she must have because I think within 24 to 48 hours I started to get contractions. Okay, they were on and off for about five days. I have heard of people who've had sweeps where yes, it has worked, but But actually, (laughs) it's it kind of more of a lots of lots of little false starts rather than it being boom you know yeah so for some people of course it's gonna go boom um so were you just kind of in kind of early labor for quite a while yeah um it was the Wednesday when I'd had the sweep well not complete sweep then on the Friday we were in MAU because they'd got they'd got quite strong at that point and we thought oh wow it's really happening and then of course they stopped and they said here's some paracetamol come back and it was Easter weekend. I think by the Saturday they were coming a lot stronger. Then Easter Sunday, I'd had a show. Oh, when I was in MAU, when they gave me the paracetamol, I was one centimetre. So okay. she said, right, I'll do a 
proper sweep this time. And yeah, I think that's what really got things going. In Easter Sunday evening, I'd had the show, been having contractions on and off, coming really quick, then slowing down, then coming really quick, then slowing down. Um, at times, Willow, bless her, was rubbing my tummy and holding my hand while mm-hmm. I was on the sofa. So we went up, they put me on the monitor, and they said, oh, these are coming fast. I think I was having four contractions in 10 minutes. Um, and when they checked me, I was only three centimetres. But they said, "We, your waters are bulging. And I think that's what's stopping you from getting further. So we went, they said, we've got a bed for you on the ward. She was still kicking really well on the monitor. Contractions were really, really strong. They said, we've got a bed for you. We'll come and get you in a second. Two hours later, they came back and said, sorry, we had to give the bed to somebody else. And no, obviously they can't give you any pain relief or anything on MAU. So, and I must have looked terrible because people were coming in just for regular checks and there was me in full-blown, you know, depths of labour. It would be that one would finish, Adam Blessing would go to have a sip of his drink or something and then I'd be latched onto him again because I was going through another one. So they really were back to back. Then eventually, I think we were on MAU for probably five hours, four or five hours. Then it eventually came. They said, do you want to walk? Adam said, no. <laughs> she's she's having a wheelchair. He said, you can't walk through these. Um, so they wheeled me down on the bed. And at that point, I think, because it had been going on for so long, over so many days, I think I'd had probably four hours sleep over the five days. Because every time I went to bed, that's when, because I was relaxed, everything was happening again. Yeah. So I think me and Adam both knew that it was going to be just like with Willow, where... I'd end up probably having to have enough jaw to be able to, to relax. Yeah. I was just so out of it with pain and tiredness that Adam had kind of said, I think she needs an epidural. And I just went, yeah. 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 And were you quite happy to take that at that point? Cause you, it sounds yeah, like you weren't getting a minute. No, it, it was so, I, cause I, I couldn't go to the, I couldn't go to the toilet because of the pressure. I couldn't get past that to be able to relax to go to the toilet. Gas and air was just making me feel so out of it. But then I didn't like that because I said, I don't want to be all spaced out when I give birth. And the anaesthetist came in, tried to do the epidural, but that was so hard. You've got to be brave to have an epidural because it's so hard when they lean you on that bed and they make you hunch over, which then makes your pain so much stronger. To then try not to move while you were thinking, oh my gosh, these contractions are horrendous. Mm. And they've got a massive needle going into your spine. You know that if they slip. Yeah. Oh, it, it was. Just, and they said, just let us know when you have a contraction. And I felt so sorry for them because every time they went to do it, I said, contraction, it was just, they were just nonstop. <laughs> yeah, just like all the time. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, I just had to sit there and think, wow, this pain is horrendous. He, and he didn't get it in the first time, but I think he hit the nerve because it made me jolt. And then I panicked thinking, oh my gosh, I've just moved. What yeah. if I've done some damage? Oh my gosh. And in the end, they did get it in, but they had to go right at the top of my spine. It didn't work properly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like this is just my look. It, yeah, it didn't. Initially it did. And I felt like, oh, it's nice and calm now, nice and relaxed. And then I started to feel things. Mm-hmm. Again, all the pressure, because it wasn't the contractions that I wanted to kind of get away from. It was the feeling of pressure because I was so worried about pushing mm-hmm. when I was, my body wasn't ready to. Did you feel that you had any benefit to the epidural in the end? A little bit. It took the pain, like the really sharp pain of contractions away, but I could really feel that they were building. Okay. It okay. took the peak away, but the pressure the needing to the feeling mm. of needing to push. Had you been like, had somebody checked you to say, okay, you're not ready to push, but your body was obviously doing it, trying to do it. Yeah, I think they examined me just before the epidural, and I was about four. But they they broke my waters at that point, so okay. they said you're probably you're probably going to go really quick. And then once I'd had the epidural, I was then back on the gas and air because it didn't work. I was topping up the epidural, but that wasn't having any effect. And then she said, we'll just do it. I'll just examine you, see how far you are. And she said, you're 
oh, you're about eight or nine. I thought, oh, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get there? And it was so strange. She took her gloves off and I just felt this like drop. Yeah, do you know so many people say yeah. that? It's like and almost I, like a thud. Yeah, and I said to her, um, do I need to push now? And she said, I don't think so. She said, I've just checked you. You're like, I can stretch you to nine just about. And I had, I'd shot up to nine in one contraction, uh, shot up to foot ten in one contraction. Do you know, it happens, and I don't know why people are so disbelieving, where they're like, oh, no, I just checked you. It's like, yeah, but my body might might work differently to someone yeah. else. Because I, I felt like the pressure re- went a little bit, the pressure feeling. But yeah, it was. It was I, I could feel her drop straight mm. in. It, oh, it was strange. I suppose it's an entirely new experience if, if you your first epidural was so effective. Yeah. You didn't feel anything, like not even pressure, because some people, yeah, some people can have total numbness. Some people will have partial numbness just with the feeling of pressure. And some people will feel a bit more than they were maybe hoping to feel. Yeah. So did you feel like, oh, I actually need to push now? Yeah. Okay. That must have been a bit more a bit less kind of disconnected though because you were able to go rather than your first experience where it was kind of am I doing this at the right moment yeah you probably had a a greater sense of control over that experience right yeah and I could I could feel her getting further down and then her head coming out yeah it was strange to because obviously with Willow I never felt that almost gave me a feeling of I know I'm nearly there yeah, I was going to say, did it have an impact on how you felt about the process while you were doing it? Like, did you yeah. feel like, okay, I wasn't expecting to feel this, but now that I can, maybe this is helping me a little bit or not? I don't know. I don't want to put words in my mouth. <laughs> no, it was a bit of, it was a bit of both. I was, I think I was a bit annoyed thinking, oh, I didn't expect to, have to <laughs> feel to this. Sign up for but, this. Yeah. But then I also felt like, I felt like, wow, I didn't know that I was actually going to be able to feel everything mm. it was yeah it was strange the only thing I didn't feel which was good was I didn't get a full like the ring of fire so okay. I must have been numb some in some places yeah I could I could tell she was in and I felt the stretching but yeah not the burning when she was born so you did did you you didn't require an episiotomy this time or no I teared slightly okay the whole kind of birth with her especially kind of after was just it wasn't a great experience at all so that with the tearing I had to say to the midwife can you just check I've not teared Mm, okay so because I know obviously I've got a scar from um a previous um piece of me she said I don't think you have and then there was a, a slight one internally when she was born they put her straight onto my chest she was crying um Adam cut the cord like with Willow she was literally on me. We hadn't even got to clean her properly. And they said, oh, we just need to pop next door. We'll be 10 minutes tops. What, with your baby? No, uh, the midwife saw just left. Okay, all right. They weren't taking your baby. <laughs> yeah. So Eden was on me. They said, 10 minutes tops, I promise. And then we'll get a wade and everything. And we were left two and a half to three hours. I had people obviously messaging me saying, how much does she weigh? I didn't know. They hadn't done any checks on her. So we didn't know actually if she was okay. She hadn't got a nappy on. You just it felt was... a little bit left in the lurch. Yeah, and I, and I felt bad for her because I thought I don't want her to be cold because we couldn't get her dressed because they needed mm. to do stuff. Um, Adam didn't even know if he'd be able to hold her on his chest because mm. they said, mom, hold her, we'll literally be back. And they were mm. gone for ages. That's hard. I think maybe there's an assumption there as well. You know, oh, she's had a baby before you know like as, yeah. if, as if that means you know what to do and yeah that they look fine so they, they won't mind if we mm. pop next door so what happened when they got back we were, were you able to kind of say like <laughs> what do I do like where are you? What you I think during this time actually Adam had gone out and because the cannula in my hand had slipped out and was pushing my hand was bleeding um, and he went out and said as, as well I hadn't had a wash or anything so I felt really dis- dirty and sticky and horrible down there because I hadn't been all they'd done is scrunched up a a mat and popped it between my legs so I ain't got a pad mm. on or anything and he said can somebody just come and look at the thing in my wife's hand because it's moved and it's making her hand bleed and they just snapped at him and said we'll be there in a minute mm. and we're very busy and Adam <laughs> he said it looks like it because apparently they were all just dancing and chatting at the end of the w- corridor so that annoyed him but I was saying just 
to calm down. Then when they did, they came in and did a checks and things. Yeah, it did. I think it was nearly four hours after we had it that we found out actually how much she weighed. Yeah. It's a long time. It is a long time when you're sort of expecting that, you know, process to happen. Yeah, because with Willow, we found, we knew how much she weighed straight away and mm. she was checked. Um, so yeah. it did, it just felt... It and also you you can just start to feel a bit more human. Then you like you can yeah. clean yourself up and have a wee and do the things you need to do. Um, yeah. You know, if that's possible. So how long did you have to stay in hospital last, this time? Because I'd had an epidural, I'd have to have a catheter in. So then I had to stay in overnight. They needed to see that I could, you know, get we so much. Right. Yeah, which luckily I was able to. It was hard work, though. Didn't realise, you don't realise how much you have to actually get out. Then to say you can go home. <laughs> um, that was, um, she was born on the Monday. And then Tuesday lunchtime, we were okay. going home. Willow came to the hospital. Well, I had to meet her in like the entrance because she wasn't allowed up. Then the sad thing was we were home to Tuesday lunchtime. We had Tuesday night together into Wednesday morning. And then with Willow's nursery, they had to regular COVID test. Um, and her and Adam tested positive. Oh, God. So then I was negative at that point. So that bubble, it just completely popped because me and Eden had to go upstairs. Willow and Adam were isolating in the front room. So Adam... That she didn't even get 24 hours with her that's at home. Rub- that's rubbish. And I was obviously in pain. And his plan was, right, you've given birth. So when we get home, I'm going to take over and you can sleep and get some rest. And it was all just taken away. And it was just, it was so horrible because I'd been away from Willow for almost five days on and off because of being in early labour. Then to get home, have a new baby, which she needs to adjust to anyway. And then we're split I didn't want her to think I was neglecting her and I missed her so much. I mean, there's, there's that mum guilt anyway of like being a being away from your kid and then separating your, you know, trying to stretch your physical and emotional caring for everybody yeah. <laughs> um, to then have to literally be in different rooms. That must have been really hard. Were you able to dodge it? No. no. I was going to say, you no. all live in the same house and you'd been around yeah. each other, right? Um, they tested... They both tested positive on the Wednesday. I kept testing um, around Eden. I wore a mask and did sanitise her. I didn't want to kiss her because I was so terrified of giving it to her. Um, whenever we met, we only we had an hour family time in the garden where I could watch Willow play and things. Oh, love you. <laughs> and then I tested positive on the Friday evening and I just cried. But it was nice because we came down and we were all just crying together because we were back together. Mm. But all three of us, even Willow, we wore a mask around Eden to protect her. Mm. So I couldn't kiss her properly and it was horrible. It was really hard. Did you feel really unwell? I was asymptomatic. Wow, okay. We've all had COVID before and we were really poorly. That's a funny thing, actually. I had COVID the first time with Eden when I was 13 weeks pregnant. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. And then I get it after when I give birth to her. I thought, God, I need a break. Adam and Willow were poorly. Okay. Yeah. And as far as we know, I don't. Hopefully, I don't think Eden got it because she was showing mm. no signs. Once you'd all got gone over that bout of things, did you sort of find your rhythm as a family, and and people got to meet her, and did you feel like things were okay at that point? Yeah, it took a while for families to meet her because. Basically, I think Willow was the spreader of COVID. So I think she was the one that gave mum and dad it. Yeah. Then she got it. She gave it to us. Then my sister got it from her. Then Adam's brother had come down and they'd all obviously been looking after Willow while I was in the hospital. So then Adam's mum and dad got it and then his brother. So the whole family had COVID. So people were having to meet Eden a lot later than they wanted to. And that was a shame. Yeah, she'd already changed so much. Yeah, that's a shame. But yeah, it sounds like um, Willow was a super spreader, as they called them, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, toddlers are super spreaders anyway of everything. Yeah. But... Oh, okay. Kind of looking back at your two births, is there anything that you would like to kind of any advice that you would give anybody who's maybe heading into a pregnancy? 
um, anything that you found was like really helpful for you personally in both birth and maybe immediately after having a baby is there any top tips you'd give a mate firstly I'm I still need to be good at this it's important to make time for yourself as well and remember you're not just a mom or a dad because I I found of myself I kind of feel like it doesn't matter about me as long as my kids are happy that's fine but then there's such a thing as like burnout and looking after yourself treating yourself and also as a couple Yes, that's really important advice. You, yeah, because being a couple goes on the back burner because you're so focused on your kids. Be patient with yourself and allow yourself to, don't feel bad if you want to go and have a bath or a little lie down in bed and, and take help. Yeah. Because I'm I'm bad for that. When people offer to help, I'm stubborn. The stubbornness comes back and says, no, it comes to a point when I'm like, I'm in over my head and I wish I had just accepted it. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think particularly about dads too letting them yeah. have a bit of time to decompress because it's hard yeah. for everyone but well thank you so so much for sharing both your stories with me and also for speaking so openly about you know your experiences of loss as well I think it shows a really a well-rounded picture of all the things that we can experience as as mothers so and parents so thank you very very much I appreciate no, thank it. you very much thank you for having me thank you again to Melissa for sharing your birth stories with us today well that is all from me for this week and for this season thank you all from the bottom of my heart for joining me each week to listen it would mean the world to me if you could share either this episode or the podcast as a whole with somebody that you know might enjoy it while I might not be posting some new episodes for a little while I will still be around on social media so you can always get in touch with me via Instagram or Facebook I am at Real Birth Podcast or you can email me I'm Lucy at realbirth.co.uk and I'm still interested in taking your submissions for being part of the podcast in the future I have a submissions form on my website which is realbirth.co.uk so if you did want to pop your story on there it might be a little while before I get to it but um, yeah if you are interested in being on the podcast in the future Uh, I would love to hear from you huge love to everyone who listens I really look forward to sharing more birth stories with you as soon as I'm able to bye